2: Today's podcast is sponsored by audible.com. audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com/business Growth. Over the past um, several months, I will say, may, probably into a year, Uh, This podcast has been gaining recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, salespeople, anyone who's really looking to do better things with their business. Um, From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com to Fit Small Business, uh, Proven, the blog, and a whole bunch of other sites, Um, we have been included on lists of the best podcasts to listen to and we're pretty excited about that. Um, this is something we've been working on for, gosh, at least seven years, and uh, we know it is in, due in large part to the wonderful guests that we have had on this podcast, people coming and sharing their expertise with you, the listeners, so that you can take whatever information you need and do better things. Today, we have with us Chris Daly, Chris is passionate about helping businesses learn what their users want on their website through psychology-based testing and analytics. He started his conversion optimization agency, Daily Conversion, in 2014, which he later merged with Disruptive Advertising, where he currently works as VP of Site Testing and Optimization. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chris.
0: Thank you so much for having me on today.
2: Well, I'm I'm excited about this topic. It's one that I don't think we talk about enough, um, so I think it leaves my listeners out there wondering a lot and having a lot of questions, so I look forward to us uh, maybe, you know, giving them some answers to some of those questions, and in, in an effort to do that, I'm actually going to ask you to share with us what you think the biggest problem is that most businesses have with their websites.
0: Yes. that's a good question. And that is a question I get asked a lot. Um, And so the the answer that I will give you is the, the biggest problem that most businesses have is that they think they know what their users want on their website. So when, when I get introduced to new companies and I will ask them how they arrived at the website design, they have the answer that I get most often is either Oh, well, this is what our biggest competitors are doing, or this is what, you know, people are doing in our space and, you know, we wanted to have some fresh look or it will be, um, an answer of, well, we, we talked to a creative agency and we put together a best practice design and we think that it looks really nice. (laughs) Um, and unfortunately, neither of those have anything to do with what your audience actually wants. Um, you know, if, if a business owner is making a decision based on what he thinks looks best on the site, you are likely going to be missing a lot of opportunities to convert people. Um, one of the things that we've found, you know, cause again, what, what, what we do is we run all kinds of different tests on websites for businesses. And, um, and what we found is that most often what our business owners and what our clients think is going to work on their website doesn't end up working, uh, with almost every test I run for a client, you know we will run multiple different versions of a page. So let's just say that we're running a test on the home page. Um, I'll give you an example of a of a client that we just did this for. So we have a client, uh, Diesel Power Gear. They sell a bunch of just random products on their sh- on their site from T-shirts, hats, flasks, whatever. Um, and when we looked at their home page. We said, okay, how did, how did you decide what products you were gonna put on your homepage? And they said, well, we, we took our highest margin products and we put them at the top. And then we wanted an Instagram style homepage. So we wanted you to just be able to scroll and scroll and scroll and see all of our products. So they had, I mean, you could just on a mobile device, you could scroll for you know, five, probably five minutes through their homepage. And so what the first test that we wanted to run on their homepage was, what product should you have there? All right, it seems like a really logical question to ask, yeah. um, but they hadn't asked it. Most businesses hadn't. So we ran eight different versions of their homepage, and all we did was we removed some of their sections of products. So we'd have one version where maybe we remove um, their top sellers, one where we remove, you know, blah, blah, blah. We, had, we ran eight different versions where we, where we had removed things, and then we ran a couple of versions where we um, – where we substituted or we changed out um, products that were displayed out of those okay. eight versions of their homepage. So they, they didn't think that any of these were going to work, especially the ones where we were removing things. Cause again, their assumption was the more, the better, right? The more stuff you have, yeah. the more options people have um, out of those eight versions, six of them increased revenue. And within a month we had increased revenue generated from their site by over $30,000. Just, wow. from, just from removing things from the home page. It, it was just a very simple assumption, but what happens is when you put too much stuff on a page, users get that fear of missing out, right? They go, oh, well, yeah. I, want, I want this hat, but maybe there's a better hat on this page. I better keep scrolling. And so when you limit their options, you make it much more likely that people will engage with the thing they find they like. And so that's, that's where it, it all comes back to breaking down your assumptions about what your users want and actually testing things to, to find out what your audience does want.
2: That's really interesting because it sounds to me like they thought about what was best for them. What's the highest margin product. Yep. And weren't really thinking about what if, what would a client want to see here? What would draw someone to actually take action when they're here? Right? Because talk some about conversion conversion, Is conversion always a sale or is sometimes it um, getting them to reach out and say, okay, I want to buy something from you. Let's talk about it.
0: Oh yeah. A conversion can be anything from a purchase to a click. Sometimes you just want people to click on stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, what, what the bottom line is, is you want people to take action on your site of some kind. If you're a blog, maybe you want people to subscribe. If you are a sales company, you might want them to fill out a lead form. If you're a media company, you might just want them to read another article or or watch a video. Um, And so any of those things, any action the user can take can be a conversion. And and so conversion optimization is about figuring out how to get people to do uh, whatever it is that you want them to do.
2: Okay, so that sounds to me, this will sound really simple. I don't think it is because that sounds to me like first you need to know what you want them to do.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: And, and do you think business owners struggle with that?
0: Oh yeah. Especially when you have more than one thing that they could do. Right. So um, I'll tell you who are, who are really liable to this are B2B companies because a lot of B2B business owners Will have you know maybe like a small, medium, large size offering, and may, or maybe they'll have um, an offering for tech companies and an offering for um, for local businesses and a, a, you know whatever whatever it may be. Yeah, you know you're gonna have lots of different offers, and so um, when when you have something like that, most businesses go well. I don't want to alienate my users. It goes back to that diesel power gear example where. I don't know if people want a hat. They might want a shirt or maybe they want board shorts or maybe they want a shot glass. And so I'm just gonna show them everything. And and so again, that's where you gotta, you gotta step away from your assumptions and say, okay, I have eight or 30 different things that I want them to do. Let's find out what they are most likely to do. Instead of giving them 30 options, let's give them one. And let's figure out if we could just show one thing on this page what one thing is going to get the highest engagement from our audience. Um, And then, and then you test all of your different possibilities and you will find what your audience responds best to. And maybe they want three things instead of one, but you know, going back and and asking yourself those questions instead of saying, I want them to do this. So I'm going to force them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. That's what I think people do. So Talk some about what some of the things are that influence behavior on a website.
0: Yeah, so we have, I, you know, I've spent at least six years in this industry, and when I very first started running tests on websites, I had no clue what I was doing. I just tried you know, changing the design, maybe switching an image, uh, but there was no methodology, no rhyme or reason behind it at all. And over the last six years, I have kind of boiled it down to six things, um, you know, as, as, as we have, you know, because we've run hundreds, if not thousands of tests over here at Disruptive. Um, and, and out of all those tests, there's, there's really six major things that will typically influence how a user engages with your site. And so those six things, there's, there's three positive things. I call them motivation factors. And so the three motivation factors are number one, your value proposition and value proposition is really what are you offering and why do people care? Right? So does this address a pain point that people have? Does this provide a solution for something like what, what, what is it that you have to offer? And, um, and so, and, and value proposition is, it sounds simple. It can be a really tricky thing because oftentimes business owners think that they're their product or their offering will solve a multitude, a multitude of needs. And so, yeah. you know, like the iPhone, the iPhone is going to solve, uh, you know, it's going to give you maps to get to where you need and phone calls and video. And it's your picture, you know, it's your, it's your camera and it's, you know, it's everything, it's everything you ever need. Um, and so with value proposition, it's really critical to ask yourself what value proposition do people actually care about? And instead of making assumptions, trying some different value propositions. So that's number one. Number okay. two is your call to action. So again, we talked about this earlier. What is it that you want people to do? And even beyond that, how are you telling people to do it? So this is something that a lot of businesses struggle with. It'll be like, what do you want people to do on this page? Well, we want people to fill out the form. Okay, well, where's the form? Well, it's all the way at the bottom of the page. And you get to the bottom of the page and, it's, and it says, learn more and then you fill out the form. It's like, well, okay, that's not really a great call to action. Why do I wanna learn more? And, and you know, what, what, what's gonna happen when I do this? And so it's important with call to actions to be visible. So people should be able to find it immediately when they get on your page. They should know exactly what they're supposed to do. Even if they need to read a bunch of stuff before they engage, it's helpful for people psychologically to have some kind of a reference point to go, okay, That's the call to action. When I'm ready for it, I'll click on it instead of people going, oh, there's just a bunch of content on this page. I don't want to read a bunch of stuff, you know, (laughs) Um, so call to action is a big one. And then the last motivation factor is your content, of course. And so with content, it's important to ask yourself questions like how much content does my audience want? What kind of content does my audience want? How should my content be formatted, right? Should I use paragraphs or should I use bullet points or should I use checkboxes? Like what what is, are people going to respond well to here? So those first three things are what I call the motivation factors because those are what will motivate people to take action. The second three things are what I call resistance factors. They're things that can really inhibit your users from taking action. And so the first thing is distractions. Anything and and literally anything on your site could be a distraction if we go back to that diesel power gear example I mentioned earlier their other products were distractions, you know, so your other offers might be distractions Uh, Images can be distracting videos can be distracting and so again You want to challenge your assumptions and test whether or not something actually helps conversion rates I can't tell you how many companies invest tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in videos for their site. And when we test removing those videos, conversion rates go up. All of a sudden they've been spending tens of thousands of dollars producing these videos that don't actually, that their users don't actually want to see. And so you want to test again, what is helping our users and what is distracting them? Um, The next thing is anxiety. Anything that causes your users to feel frustrated, to feel, um, uncertain to feel fear that's never a good thing and so again you you might want to test what kinds of things might cause anxiety lots of content can cause anxiety a super yeah. long video might cause anxiety you know there's lots of things um, and the last thing in in terms of um, resistance is how responsive your site is so not just does it work on mobile but is your site customized for what your mobile users want I find that this is probably one of the biggest areas of opportunity for businesses because most businesses just shrink down their desktop site and then all of a sudden, boom, they've got a mobile site or some businesses go, Oh, well we want to build mobile first. So we'll build a really awesome mobile site and then we'll just expand it for desktop. Well, neither of those audiences are the same. you most, most times mobile users are going to even want a different call to action than your desktop users might mobile users are a lot more likely to call than desktop users. And so on mobile, instead of having a form on your site, you might just want a click to call button and vice versa for desktop, right? Or on mobile, instead of having the user read a bunch of content before they can add something to their cart, you might just want your pictures and then your add to cart button. Um, and so again, you want to ask yourself, not just, do I have a site that works on mobile? Do I have a site that works on desktop? But, have I actually tested? Do I actually know what my audience wants on each of those devices? So those are the, those are the big six things that wow. have the biggest impact on conversion rates.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for that. It's so interesting. I loved what you said about challenger assumptions because it, it's so true. People get so locked in that they think they know what people want to see or what information people want. And usually it's based on what they want to tell them, not really what the audience wants to know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a tricky, you know, it really tricky sort of thing. So I like this thinking beyond yourself, like getting outside of your own head and saying, okay, now wait a minute. And then testing it so you can see, what actually is working and what isn't. So you have to sort of be not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not married to a certain solution, right? You you can't be overly. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Uh, one of the things that I, that I will, that I invite my clients and my employees to do the question that I have them ask themselves is if they don't want what I have on the site now, what else might they want to see? So, for all of those questions for you know for your content if they don't like the content you have right now what is some other content that they might want yeah. and that can help you to get out of cuz usually of course a business owner wouldn't put content on their site unless they thought that people wanted to see it and right. so usually you've got you've already got your best guess on the site and so step outside your best guess and say okay if they don't want your best guess What's something else they might want if they don't like the picture that you have on there. Is there something else they might want to see where that picture is? So that, that can be something that's helpful to start, um, spawning ideas.
2: Right, right. Exactly. You gotta be creative. You gotta be a creative thinker and be, be willing to, yes, you know, try things. That's interesting. Okay. So a lot of companies, um, find it really difficult to be satisfied with their website and especially if it's not getting them the conversion they want. And so they will do like a major redesign. Is that, do you think that's a solution or um, are there things they should do before then? Should they ever really be doing a major redesign or, or just doing testing of assumptions?
0: Yeah, I've got some strong opinions on this, of course, since I'm a tester. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I, so I, I get why companies do major redesigns. There's a few big reasons why companies do redesigns. One, one big reason is they want to rebrand their company, right? This happens a lot. We're going through a rebrand. We're going to change the color palette. We're going to change our logo. Uh, We're going to change whatever, how the site structure flows. Uh, That's a big reason. Um, And that, and that makes sense to me. Um, One of the, uh, the other biggest reasons that I find is just, people want to keep their website fresh, right? Businesses want to keep yeah. their, their website from looking stale. They want to keep up with their competitors. They want to keep up with the latest trends online. And this is a really dangerous one. Um, so I will go back to, again, I keep using diesel power gear as an example. Um, so before diesel power gear came to work with us, they spent about $350,000 on a big website redesign. And really what it was, was it was a website reskin. So they basically kept the exact same website. They just put some new makeup on it, right? They just wanted it to look fresher and and cleaner or whatever it was that they were going for. So they spent $350,000 on this design. And their expectation, of course, you wouldn't spend $350,000 on something unless you were expecting it to increase sales. So their expectation was that sales were going to increase. So they went through this big, huge, long project, a big, you know, I mean, and not only does it take $350,000, but it takes hours and hours and months of time with your creative agency, with your developers to go through and do all the QA and to proof the actual design mock-ups and, you know, go back and forth on the copy. I mean, it's a significant investment. Um, And what ended up happening when they launched their new site, nothing happened. I mean, sales oh. didn't go down, which is, which is great, but sales didn't go up. And the reason is they didn't have any clue what their users wanted. They were making an arbitrary decision based on this assumption that users didn't like their current design. And they may have even gotten some feedback. Here's some, uh, another, another really dangerous thing that happens with business owners. They'll get feedback from a few clients that they don't like something and they'll assume that that represents the majority of their users. And so they may have even gotten some feedback that the site design was frustrating, or they couldn't find what they were looking for. But ultimately, they were making tons of assumptions and drawing all kinds of conclusions based on really just a lot of hearsay. And so you know, when we started running some of these tests on their site, all of a sudden we got a ton of clarity into what their users actually want. So to go back and answer your question, Should companies do a a major redesign? Maybe. But if you are going to do a a redesign, before you do it, you need to run some tests to figure out what your audience actually cares about on the site. Because otherwise, you might just end up spinning your wheels on a bunch of junk that no one cares about and end up doing what Diesel Power Gear did, spending, you know, getting a $350,000 site that is exactly the same, um, even though it looks different. And so. It's important, yeah, it's important to run these tests to figure out, okay, we know what the best practices are in terms of what our users want. They care about this, this, and this. They don't care about these things. And so if there's things your users don't care about, like maybe they don't care what pictures you use on a page. So then you get free reign on that. You can pick any picture you want for those pages because your users don't care about it. But if your users do care that the button should be red because it really contrasts the rest of the site, then don't use a blue button because it matches your new logo. Use, you know, use the thing that, that actually works for your users. Or if your users don't want a lot of content, don't spend a ton of time writing up a ton of copy on every page. Um, So that's, that's really where I, I have a strong opinion is website redesigns can be helpful. And, and frankly, they can make a huge positive impact, but only if you do it, using data-driven principles instead of just random, you know, creative ideas.
2: Yeah, that's really valuable because I think I could see a lot of small business owners being in constant change mode because they hear one thing from one person and then something else from somebody else, and then they read something about, you know, what people want or, you know, what customers want or whatever. And so they end up in this constantly... Okay, now I have to do this. Okay, now I have to do that kind of thing, and they don't ever get it where it needs to be because they're never asking that question. They're never saying, "Okay, what does my user want to experience?"
0: In fact, just to go along with that, so my my wife uh, has started doing some work with a, a new clothing boutique. I won't mention the name, but um, <laughs> so she's she's running a lot of the a lot of the online marketing, and she talked to another online boutique that was doing you know really well and this online clothing boutique said oh you know what like we just added this thing to our site this new widget and we love it and it's and and our sales have just been going up and up and up and so number one they hadn't tested it and they were making assumptions that their sales were going up because they added this widget and so not only not only were they making and a not informed decision but they convinced my wife to put that on the site because they said sales were going up and up and up. And, uh, you know, because they added this thing. And so now all this misinformation was being spread and other people start using it. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have heard clients tell me that same thing. Our biggest competitor is doing this and they are crushing it right now. As if to say, this is the reason that they're doing so well is because they have this thing on their site. Um, and, and then when we will go in and test that feature, uh, like one, one thing that, we tested on, that we've tested that we tested on several e-commerce client sites is there's these little pop-up notifications that will tell you every time someone buys something, right? And they go, this is great social proof. Like, look at this. You get a pop-up notification. We, we have so many people buying stuff. You get one of these every 30 seconds. This is great. Like, you just get so much proof that, that our products are awesome. But every time I've tested one of those things, it's actually decreased sales because what's happening? your users keep getting this notification that keeps popping up on their screen and it's distracting them yeah it's it's not really helping them make it a purchase decision it's just creating motion on the screen every thirty seconds that that makes them look away from whatever they're looking at to see what people just bought and so yeah, again, like it's, it's super important to not make assumptions based on what anybody else is doing. Or even if you have tried it on another site and it worked, that doesn't mean it's going to work for your audience. And so it's, it's super important to test those.
2: Wow. That's a big one. Yeah. Cause I could see people getting, you know, making the decision because of previous experience with a whole other site and whole other client base. It's funny, you were talking about that pop-up thing and all I kept thinking about was there was a site that I went to I have no idea what one it was but every time I would click on something a pop-up would come up the same (laughs) pop-up it's like okay if I close this it means I don't want it right so (laughs) stop popping it up because you're getting in the way of me just getting the information that I'm looking for yep now no thanks (laughs) So, but, but see, but they think that's valuable for them because they're trying to capture my email address or something. They're trying to get me to do something they want me to do, not necessarily something I want to do.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Wow. Very interesting. All right. I got to take a quick sponsor break. Uh, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth Explore the books that are of interest to you and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today, we're talking with Chris Daly about website testing and the impact that that testing can have on your conversions and the effectiveness of your website. So, Chris, let's go back to talking about mobile because you mentioned it before. What are some of the things people should be thinking about with their mobile site? You mentioned a couple of them. Um, But if you would just, you know, go into a little bit more detail, please.
0: Yeah. So one of the first things that businesses really need to think about is what are their mobile users doing when they are coming to their site? This is one of the big, um, I think, areas of misinformation because people think about mobile users just like sitting on their couch at home, browsing, browsing your website. And that, that may be what some of your mobile users are doing, but more often than not, mobile users are going to be on the go, right? They're going to be kind of out and about. Maybe they're with friends. Maybe they're at dinner. Um, There's a variety of circumstances that people could be in when they are on their mobile device. And so it's important that you take that into consideration as you are thinking about your customer persona. Um, Because on a desktop device, you know, if someone is coming to your site on a desktop computer, chances are, they are stationary. They're sitting down somewhere and they probably have a little bit more time on their hands, right? Mobile users are a lot more finicky. They, you know, they're, they're used to being on social media on their phones and social media is go, 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 go. Um, And, you know, and especially if your users are coming from social media. So if, if you are, you know, a fashion blog or, uh, you know, or any kind of thing in the fashion industry, if you sell clothes, you're going to be getting a lot of people from Facebook and people that come from Facebook are going to expect a certain side experience. They don't want to read your company's story, right? They don't wanna read a ton of content and they don't wanna to have to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to decide uh, you know, what they want. Similarly, mobile users, despite what people think, mobile users don't typically like videos. So this is something that you wanna test, but people assume, oh, well mobile users watch, I watch videos on my phone all the time. Because I watch videos on Facebook or I watch videos on YouTube but the fact of the matter is when you're browsing the web on your phone you you may not have your earphones plugged in if you're out with your friends you don't want some video popping up and you're probably not gonna watch it and so if your entire site experience is based around people watching videos you're gonna be missing the ball big time with mobile users and so it's important to get down to the basics to give people um, you know and again you can test all of these things because there is exceptions to every everything that I'll bring up. You know, I've, yeah. I have tested sites where where videos work great. Um, and I've tested a lot of sites where videos hurt conversion rates for mobile users. So it's important to test this, but what I, what I typically will recommend testing is removing as much content as is possible. So strip it down to the very basics. Make sure that because you have a very limited screen size, that, that uh, phone real estate, that screen real estate is very valuable. You can only fit two or three things on a mobile screen at a time. And so it's important that you really think about what am I putting in that screen? And make sure that there is something for that mobile user to do in that initial screen when it loads. Um, that's one other big challenge that I see with, with mobile sites is you'll get to a mobile site and because they've crammed all of their desktop stuff onto your mobile phone, you'll get to this page. You'll have this giant image that isn't formatted for my mobile, de- mobile device. I scroll down, there's like four giant paragraphs of content. Then below that I'll have, you know, if I'm looking at a product, it's like, I've got the price down there and I have to scroll down like four, four screens before I actually get to add something to my cart. Um, yeah. So it's important to really, again, take that mobile experience into consideration. And again, test stripping things down, try to remove everything you possibly can. And then the last thing, I already mentioned this earlier, but your mobile users might want a different call to action than your desktop users. Um, and if they don't, if, again, if you're selling a product on your website, They might want to add it to their cart, but you might want to take your mobile users straight to checkout. You might want to skip the cart altogether on mobile because every additional step you add on a mobile device gives that user an an additional chance to get distracted by a text message or something else. And so we've run tests, again, where we just cut a middle step out of the whole process, cut out the cart, cut out the uh, contact us page, just have a form that pops up. Um, and, and conversion rates will typically go up quite a bit from doing things like that. So,
2: yeah, that's interesting. And it really is from what I'm hearing, it's really about asking yourself the question, what are the circumstances in which someone would be going to my site from their phone? And what is the reason, right? What are they trying to find out? I mean, usually it's the address, the phone number, Hours, you know, really specific information because they're out already, you know, they're out and about, and they want to know whether they can, you know, whether you're open, whether you've got specials, whether, I mean, who knows. So, and that is, would you say that's true for any industry with their mobile site, or some industries more? um, prone to people checking their site from their phone?
0: Um, well, so there, yeah, there's definitely, if you, if you sell a product on your site, any kind of e-commerce business will typically get a lot more traffic than a B2B business. So B2B companies, again, because you are marketing to people while they're at work, the chances are much higher. They're going to be on a desktop, you know, on a, on a laptop or whatever. Um, versus, you know, again, if you're selling a product, you may get, you know, you may get women who are shopping from home or you may get, uh, you know, men who are shopping on the go or whatever. Um, and so that's one thing. And one other thing I just want to say about mobile, one dangerous assumption that a lot of companies make, especially B2B, um, is or, or, or sites that sell high ticket items. So like if you sell, Um, aftermarket parts for diesel trucks, or if you sell, um, uh, uh, I I, I can't even think of a pacemaker, you know, like uh, something that costs a lot of money. Uh, A lot of those companies will assume, oh, well, someone is only going to come to my site on a mobile device for research. And then they're going to come back and buy it on a desktop device. That is a very dangerous assumption to make because you immediately write off all of your, all of your mobile traffic. And it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you, you tell yourself that mobile is going to convert lower. So you don't spend a lot of time optimizing your mobile experience. So your mobile traffic does convert lower. And then you say, see, our mobile traffic sucks.
2: <laughs> what
0: I have found in every case that I have worked with a client that has said that is if your mobile experience is good enough, people aren't going to research on their phone and come back on a desktop to buy They'll buy on their mobile if it is a good enough mobile experience. And so it's, it's Uh, important that business owners get out of that mindset that mobile is for research and desktop is for buying because it's not true.
2: That's fascinating. Okay. So if a company hasn't done this before, you know, they haven't tried this AB testing and, um, how do they start? Are there tools that they can use? You know, what do you suggest they do? Yeah. So there, there
0: are um, lots of different tools that you can use for AB testing. Um, the the couple that I would suggest that are kind of the easiest to get started with. One is VWO visual website optimizer. Uh, and the other one is optimizely. So these two tools are, Really straightforward. I mean, they're very easy to install on your website It's just a single snippet of JavaScript so you can have your developer install it It takes or you can install it yourself. It takes literally like five minutes um, To get the tool installed and then actually building a test in these tools is fairly easy at least to build To build simple tests. So a simple test is something like testing a new headline on a page Um, in these tools Literally, you just go in, you click on the thing you want to change, and you you, you write in your your edited text. Or if you want to change the color of a button or you want to change where something is positioned, you can just click on it and drag it to a different location. So it's very easy to build basic tests. And so I, I almost always suggest if you haven't run tests before, get a testing tool and run a headline test. Test a couple of different... And, and I always recommend test something that is radically different. So if you are in home mortgages and your headline on your, on your site says your friendly, you know, home mortgage provider, instead of testing that test, something like low rates guaranteed or whatever it is you can say in your industry, but say something that's very different. Don't go, instead of saying, you know, your friendly mortgage provider, instead of saying that, say, saying, um, your favorite mortgage provider, you know, because you're not going to have, you're not going to typically have dramatic or or great results with that. But start out with a simple headline test. You can literally set these up and have them running within an hour. Wow. If you have very little technical skills. Um, So start out with that. And one thing that I always, 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 I recommend this to my employees, to my clients, to anybody who wants to get started. Uh, have every test be based on a business question, so this helps you avoid this helps you avoid just random ideas where you 're like oh let 's try something let 's try something." Um, ha- create a business question, so ask yourself something about your users so it could be something like what headline will convert the best you know that 's a great and you want it to be an open ended question so something that that any answer could fulfill, right? So what headline will convert best instead of saying, I see this happen a lot when people create questions for a test. Um, will a, a, will a direct call to action convert better than a generic one? Because then you're, you're only really left with one option. Yes or no. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, versus if you say what headline will convert best? Well, now you could, you could write up 18 different headlines and, And even if your existing headline wins, you still have answered your your question. You've learned something about your audience. So now anytime someone says, hey, what should the headline be on the home page?" You already know. Um, So create a very specific business question, open-ended, that you wanna answer by your test. What color should our buttons be? How much content should we have on the page? What formatting should we use for the content? Those are great questions to ask. And then, and then, you know, just make sure that you've got very specific success metrics set up for the test. So if you're testing what, what button color works best, you might want to test uh, your success metric is probably going to be clicks on that button. And so you're going to test whether or not clicks go up or down. Um, if you are testing, what price should we show on our products? You might want to test how many people add it to their cart or actual checkouts. Um, And it's very easy to set these goals up in these testing tools. So again, you know, get, go and get one of these testing tools, set up a very simple test, you know, headline test, um, you know, button colors, uh, content amount, you know, just rewrite some copy. These are all fairly simple tests to set up um, and then, and then run them. I mean, it's, it's once you start to see results, it's a lot of fun. Now that also brings a question up of, What happens if I run a test and nothing happens or conversion rates go down? Um, You know, so the first thing this happens with a lot of companies, they will try a B testing out and maybe they don't see any results. If you don't see any results. That means your audience doesn't care about the thing you're testing. It doesn't mean that you're never gonna be able to get any results from testing. It just means you didn't pick the right thing to test, right? And so that's, that's fine. That's The great thing about testing is you're experimenting. You're trying to find the things that your audience care about. So yeah. I, mentioned, I mentioned six things earlier that typically have the biggest influence. If you uh-huh. test value propositions and nothing happens, okay, that's great. We know that our audience doesn't care about the value proposition. Let's go to the next thing. Let's go to content. Now let's go to the call to action because one of those things is going to resonate with your audience. And so, you know, testing and experimenting is about finding what things do our audience care about and how can we really capitalize on that.
2: And how long do you have to test it for?
0: Yeah, so tests, I I have a few recommendations here. This is kind of a, a, a touchy subject for testers because there's not a defined answer. Um, a lot of it is going to be based on how much traffic you get and how how many conversions you get. So uh, my my minimum answers are you want to run a test no less than a week. So you need to get a full week, seven days of a test minimum before you, before you even look at the results, I, I usually suggest, because your traffic is going to convert differently on the weekend than it does on the weekdays. And so you want to make sure you get every day of the week in there. In fact, I was just uh-huh. looking at – conversion rates for one of our e-commerce clients that sells jewelry online. Um, And we looked at conversion rate by day and literally every single day had a different conversion rate by a long shot. I mean, conversion rates fluctuated. Um, They would go down any, you know, anywhere between one and a half percent all the way up to 4% on some of their highest converting (laughs) days. And so it's important that you get all those different days in there so that you get your traffic behaving in different ways on your site. Um, So no less than a week. And then you wanna make sure that you get enough conversions to see some kind of statistical significance. So these testing tools are going to, they automatically calculate statistical significance for you, but you wanna wanna judge that against the actual amount of data. So I, I typically suggest at least 50 conversions per variation you're testing. Um, So, you know, because what will happen is you'll go in and you'll see, oh wow, one of my variations has double the conversion rate. It's literally twice as high. And then you go in and it's like uh, two conversions against one conversion. And so you're not really looking at a a good good sample size here. So you want to make sure, again, minimum of a week, get a good decent number of conversions in there. Um, And if it needs to run for a month, that's fine. You know, let it run for a month and don't, don't be too anxious to move on to your next test that you don't let yourself gather good data because otherwise you run the risk of calling the test prematurely and you, and you have a false winner. So you push something on your site, all of a sudden you're making a ton of assumptions that something works when it actually didn't.
2: Yeah. Great. That's great. Thank you. Cause I could see people doing that wanting, you know, instant results and changing stuff so often that they never really know what works and what doesn't work. So yeah. 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 Wow. Wild. So this is so great. I mean, I I have learned a ton, um, which I really appreciate. Uh, And so thank you so much for sharing this information. Will you also share with our listeners how they can find you, you know, what you've got going on? Because, I have a feeling a lot of them are, you know, going to want to solicit your help.
0: Yeah, you bet. So we've actually put together a guide that covers a lot of the basics that we've talked about today, um, and then a lot of other things like, you know, a few tests that that we might recommend if you're just getting started. Um, so if people want to want to download our starter guide, it's free. They just go to disruptiveadvertising.com/guide, um, and you can download the guide there. And there's a little checkbox if you're interested in talking with us about testing. If you don't check that box, then we're not going to harass you. So you can just get the guide. Um, and, uh, and, and then I am actually in February. So in a, in a few months coming up here, I'm going to be doing um, a workshop at social media marketing world. So that's towards the end of February. Um, and I'm going to be running through uh, a 90 minute course, Uh, talking about, I'm going to be showing a lot of cool case studies of tests that we've run that have been successful. Um, I'm going to be talking through how you can actually set up a testing, you know, program for your company. And so if people want to come uh, and, and get really in depth with me, I would love to see some of your listeners at social media marketing world.
2: Oh, cool. That's in February, February of 2018. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, they should all look into that. So cool. Well, thank you. As I said, thank you very much. I really appreciate the conversation and all of the information.
0: You bet. Thank al- you so much for uh, having me on.
2: <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, I would also like to thank our listeners and our sponsor. Please go to audibletrial.com/businessgrowth to sign up for a free um, 30-day trial of Audible and get your free audiobook when you do that. Continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
0: The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.